why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to live a successful life in Christ. Next, here on Truth For Today. And again, welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You know, if we are to live successful lives as Christians, we need to be filled with His Spirit. It's the only way it's going to happen, in and through His strength, our Heavenly Father's strength. So the question is, how are we filled with the Spirit? What does that look like on a practical day-by-day basis? Join us and find out, won't you? Here now, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, once again, Pastor Phil Howard. You see, spirit filling is like you being an animated glove. Think of yourself as a glove. A glove is ready to do the work. It's made to do the work. But until another hand is put inside that glove, you can't do anything with it. You got to have a hand inside the glove to do the work. And we are to be that yielded glove to the Spirit of God, to be yielded tools in His weapons, and that He just puts His hand down there and says, I'm going to use you, I'm going to infuse my strength, and my hand is going to wield you to do my will and good pleasure. And so people look at us and they say, oh, what power they have or what gifts they have. And we want to just yell out, I'm but the glove. The gifts are his. The power is his. The enablement is his. There's another hand wielding my life. I only yield to that hand. And when I don't yield, the hand is removed from direction. He's still present, but he doesn't get to control the glove. You want to be as yielded to God as an old leather glove that you do your gardening with. And unless the hand of the gardener's in it, nothing will be done of any value. He contrasts, I believe, for him just to say, don't get drunk. Why would he say that? I think he's using by way of comparison and similarity that alcohol is a depressant. Alcohol, if you get enough of it in you, it will take control of you, your mind and your behavior, and you may do things that you're proud of or ashamed of. Usually it's wasteful. You usually will get out of control. You can kill somebody on a highway and say, I never knew it. Why? You're responsible at the point of the intake. Because you know if you get enough of it in you, it will alter your powers of decision, your powers of perception. It's, it's lethal if you'll keep getting yourself under the influence of strong drink or even drugs. And what he's saying, instead of getting something in you that will ruin your life, bring debauchery, bring waste, bring who knows what, why don't you be getting yourselves filled and under the influence and the control of a divine person? You depended on alcohol for good times to take care of maybe your depression, your fears, your anxieties, whatever. I'm telling you, there's a living person that wants to fill you and control you, and he will not waste you. He will not ruin you. 
He will not distort your powers of discernment and judgment. He is the constant high, if you want to think of that. He is a source of great joy that lasts. And, and after you've come down from the influence of alcohol, all your bills remain, all your problems remain, all of that that you were escaping remains. Get yourself under the control of this person and he'll walk you through sorrow. He'll walk you through the chaos and bring order, bring meaning, bring purpose. Oh, I'm telling you, Ephesians, don't go to Dionysus' temple and get drunk, but rather be getting yourselves under the control of the Spirit of God. That's what he's saying. You've got a wanting. You've got a desire. You need to taste of what he can do when he fills the life. Colossians uses the contrast, but Colossians uses, let the words of Christ be dwelling in you richly. And it just, it's similar to Ephesians, but it just switched from spirit to the words of Christ. So I take it the spirit-filled life is the word of Christ and about Christ. Christ is filling the heart as the spirit is influencing and controlling your life. It's Christ in the Spirit. For when the Spirit's in charge, Christ is always exalted. So that just permeates the life. Let's continue. What does the Spirit make you do? Of course, our charismatic brothers uh, would heavily emphasize tongues and this kinds of thing. Here, he, he doesn't even mention that in this section because he gives five participles that come out of it that reveals what the Spirit's influence produces. And by the fact that it's participles, it just describes the imperative. It's just a, a mechanism of the language. And literally there's five, speaking to one another, singing and make music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord in everything, submitting to one another. So there's five participles, but two are tied up with music and singing, but one is speaking. Now, let me show you what you speak. Turn over to Colossians 3. He gives a, a little bit more clarification on the speaking. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I take that as equivalent to the spirit filling. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I believe the speaking to one another is speaking to teach and admonish. That it's not just speaking in general, but admonition means to point out to the mind what its warnings is the idea. It's warning of behavior. Don't do that. Uh, you should do this. And it's Admonition is to sometimes translate to warn, to point out dangers, and teaching is just teach them the truth. So it produces a speaking church that is admonishing and teaching. It produces singing believers. It produces thankful believers. It produces submitting believers. Four things that just come right out of it. So let's, uh, uh, the speaking, I'll just, Learn to teach one another. Learn to admonish one another. Don't leave it to a few of us up here on the platform. Hey, brother, you shouldn't do that. Or had you thought this would help you? Don't get into debt. 
Don't be uh, looking at the wrong literature. Don't use that kind of language. And it's said in love to change behavior. Then teaching. Tell people what justification means. Tell them where the dead in Christ will be. Teaching, teaching. Well, I just had, was at a conference this week where Sinclair Ferguson said the 13 chapters of the pastoral epistles tell the man of God what he's to be up to. And over and over, give heed to sound teaching. Sound teaching. Be able to refute the gainsayers. Know what you believe enough, you can refute those who teach error. You've got to know the teachings. You've got to know the teachings. For grievous wolves come in to distort the teachings. Don't be a dumb, mindless Christian with an unbroken in Bible. And the man of God who would be an elder or a leadership, we can't afford to be stupid about the Bible. Study to show yourself approved. God never uses a lazy man long. You're too lazy to know what the doctrines are. You're too lazy to ever be leadership. And you're too lazy not to be deceived. You will be deceived. There are so many false winds blowing through the church constantly. You're bound to pick up one of the errors of the day. We must be grounded in the teachings of this book. We are the people of one book. This is the basis for our faith and our practice. This is the great thing yielded to the Reformation and great things I was taught in Baptist ecclesiology. We are the people of a book, not of creeds, of traditions, not of what the church says, what says God in the book. You must know it. Okay, we'll get back. Just had to get that off my chest. It's very important. He says, speaking to one another. And then, of course, here, singing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Where are we to be singing here? Well, it's corporate, to one another. Who is to be singing, to be doing this? It's plural. Everyone in the church. Every saint in the church. You don't have to be an expert to sing God's praises. The church was stripped of congregational singing for a thousand years. From 500 A.D. to 1500 A.D., corporate congregations did not sing. You came and listened to choirs, and they were trained voices, and they would sing, and they sang many times antiphonally that this group here sang to that group over there, and the congregation sat in the middle and just sat and listened. It was not a corporate expression. You heard the best voices, the trained voices. And then the Reformation came along. And a guy named Luther, an Augustinian Catholic monk, decided sacraments can't get me to God. It's justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And he broke from the church and married a nun by the name of Catherine. And the Pope put out a warrant for his arrest. And while they hid him in a castle, he translated from the Latin Vulgate the Bible for the German people, all by ink and pen, 66 books of the Bible in two years. 
Sometimes there's a reason God wants us in jail. He'd get more done with us. And, uh, but when he came out of that jail, the sounding cry of the Reformation was sola scriptura, scripture alone, not traditions of the church. Two, everybody started making their own songbooks and you owned your songbook along with your Bible. And now no choirs, everybody sings. Because worship is to be natural and simple. It's not to be a music hall where we show off the best. Soloists are never to replace congregational singing. The most powerful singing is when all of the saints sing with all their might to God. We sing pretty good, but some of you don't sing very much. You don't contribute hardly an ounce to the effect of the service because you're a non-participant, because you're not filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you become a singing church. And I grew up in different traditions. I grew up in buildings that were much smaller than this. One thing, it's a little harder the bigger the building. One of the dynamite things of our churches where I grew up, we always had small buildings. So you always had a sense they were full with about 80 of us. Kind of like that one guy that said, how many services are you in? Said two. Said, how many do you have? Said 30 in each service. But boy, he sounded like a mega church, two morning services. And there is something as a boy, when I used to come to meetings, even when I was unsaved, and hear the saints singing. Have any of you ever been moved as you come into a building and you hear the congregation singing? You say yes, like this, or amen, or no, like that. How many of you have ever heard that? It is dynamite. Singing in the spirit. Not singing because Juilliard's trained you. There's a difference between talent and spirit-filled singing. If that talent is under the spirit's control, so be it. But I don't need Hollywood. You know, all these guys, after they make it big, they make a, a country album in the garden alone and... You know, Willie even's got one out there. Knocks off a fifth and let's just sing that old I'm in the garden alone. You probably are in the garden. <laughs> Their talent isn't the same as spirit-filled musicians, spirit-filled singing. I'm not listening for great voices alone. I'm trying to sense is the spirit controlling the motive and it does help if you can carry a tune, but corporately, you don't have to carry a tune. Just make a great sound and God will straighten out your voice when he glorifies you. Don't be using this excuse, I'm not a good singer. That's why we have corporate singing. Join, but don't join the choir. <laughs> don't ask to sing a special. We, we'd appreciate it. Spare us. Spare us. We don't want to say no. You're just too bad. Even the dogs howl when you sing. Don't, don't. Just sing corporately. Sing corporately with all your heart. We'll let you do it all you want as long as you don't drive off people. Uh, what, what do you sing? You sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Psalms are the Old Testament psalms, but this word psalming was also translated of melodies and stringed instruments. So they sang with instruments. We're not a church of Christ group that doesn't believe you can have instruments. They literally had instrumentation and they sang the Old Testament Psalms or they were making music with stringed instruments. They sang hymns. 
Now, by the way, let me tell you something here. You know, the music battles are just hilarious. Did you know there's not a thing we sing today that Ephesus sang? You know, get, we get the tension. We're not doing enough hymns. Well, that's true, because I love the hymns. Well, we're singing a lot of these new songs. Did you know everything we sing today is new compared to Ephesus 55 AD? They sang everything in Greek. If you want to get biblical, get back there and find one of their songbooks and learn it in Greek. And the church said, amen. See, so you get these purists. It's not really, really true blood singing unless it's written in Europe in the 1600s. Get over that. God's people keep getting new songs, new expressions. It's the content of what we sing. These, these hymns were praises to God, bragging on Jesus. That is the, the content, the spiritual songs, some believe they might have been testimonial type, that they were testifying of what I'd rather have Jesus than anything. He's all the world to me. Kind of an eye testimonial involvement. But they were singing wonderful things about God, his praises, his grandeur. And we must be sure in our musics, they're not just little ditties with no content. They gotta say something true about God. We're not, don't sing error. Sing truth, sing scripture. Matter of fact, uh, you know, some of you that don't sing corporately, you need to start just memorizing a verse and take a shower. And then when you're in the shower, just ain't being confident of this thing that he that's begun a good work in you shall accomplish it until the day of Christ Jesus. You just get in there and make up your own song, your own melody, and get some practice. And close the doors, of course, your bedroom, and, and just sing. Make up a few melodies. Do you ever make up songs to the Lord? No, you don't. You don't. Because another thing we're doing is we're buying everybody to sing for us. Oh, play the CD. Isn't it great? He said, you sing. He makes us sing. I don't need any professionals singing for me. I got a song. Whether you like to hear me or not, too bad. It's a new song. It's music to the Lord. Because he's full of mercy. The rest of us, we ain't full of mercy. That is terrible. But he's full of, the Howards never encouraged me to sing. They said, you, you wander all over the scale. All right, I got this free. I'm free. I just want to sing. It's a part of spirit filling. The spirit puts the song there. You're not a music major. I've heard some great talent sing and did nothing for me nor God. Because there's a qualification, he said, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, some of you, you think you're fulfilling this verse and you say this. Well, I sing to the Lord in my heart, so I'm mute in the service. So I sang, where was it? In my heart. I skipped a beat, you know. That's not what it means. He's not talking about going in. And that's not it. When he said heart, he means in the center of your being where all of the willing, the feeling, and the thinking goes on in the core of your being, sing. Not just with your lips, but let it come from your heart. With all of your heart, sing to God. You go to a dead church and the, the boy, you know, 
I go to churches on vacation sometimes. I can tell you at the song service, the condition of that church. When you hear three voices over here, and they're all 80 years old, and the rest are over here, I say, whoa, this is not a Holy Ghost church. Holy Spirit not working in this place. Because it shows up in the saints singing. It's a different climate. It's a different environment. Some of you say, well, we sing too loud, too upbeat. You know what? Your problem is you're not singing anything. You need to get under the Spirit's control, and you can sing with all your heart. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. I don't need to be auditioning. I got a song. I've sung them when I was burying my dad. I sang them as five kids rode in the hearse. And on the way to the cemetery with my mother, we started singing, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Our dad taught us that song. We sang it to the Lord. I, at the graveside, I will meet you in the morning by the bright riverside. And we start singing on and on. When we knew he's dying of cancer, my sister Ruth had been to the doctor and says, the doctor says, daddy's dying. He didn't even know, he didn't tell him. I was living with David and we got an old reel-to-reel -reel recorder. We brought him out, my brothers and sisters, we got together. We said, dad, start singing the songs that's got you through these 63 years. And this, was, this year, my sister Hazel gave all the nieces and nephews and grandchildren a CD of that recording, the songs and his testimony. Because every time he got in the pickup, every time he got in the car, I tell you, he sang something to God. It was a way of life. He had a song. He was never trained. He just had the Spirit giving him a song. We need to be singing in the Spirit with all of our heart. This place needs to abound. And I would say this, if you're quenching the spirit by not joining our song services, repent. Start to say, I want to learn to sing. Don't worry about your voice. It's your heart. Put your heart into it and you will please the Lord in a corporate expression and you will abound. Don't just come down to this place to stare. That quenches the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. We need everything he can do in our meetings. Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. You're listening to Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us this morning. It's our prayer that our time together has done just that, encouraged you in your relationship with Christ, bolstered you up for the day. 
If you would like to review today's broadcast, copies are available when you contact us. We also have the series today's message was taken from, other resource materials available as well, the recent books authored by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. They can all be found at our website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available there, other CDs and series as taught by Pastor Phil Howard recently here at Valley Bible Church. Again, they're all found at our store online, valleybible.org. If you wish to speak with someone directly, call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us. 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you'd like to know where we meet for worship, service times, directions, location, it can all be found at our website, valleybible.org, and we would love to see you. Please consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship if you're not involved in a church near you. Again, directions can be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And again, we mention it from time to time, it bears repeating, as TFT sustainers, financial partners with the radio broadcast, you ensure the continuation of this broadcast here on KFAX. Would you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially? And then call us. Let us know that you're interested in becoming a TFT sustainer. We'll pass along our quarterly newsletter to you, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. The weekly video devotional will be available as well. Again, valleybible.org for more information or call 855-833-9864. No gift is too large or too small. We'd love to hear from you. Call us today and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Oh,